Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. Turn to uh, Mark chapter 6. We're still in our series in, these, in this biography about Jesus, uh, written by one of his disciples, Mark, who, um, who put together the shortest gospel, and we've, we've focused on the idea that he puts together these short little snippets of Jesus' life, um, lining them up like a series of uh, selfies, as it were, so, snapshots of incidents in the life of Christ, and we discover more about him through these, through these small little vignettes, these little snapshots of who Jesus is. And we're going to look at this next installment, as it were, in Mark chapter 6, and read, a, a, uh, for some, a very famous encounter. Uh, for others, this may be the first time. Who knows? Uh, let's take a look at it. Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30, and we'll read down to uh, a few paragraphs. Follow along. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves on a boat to a solitary place. But many who, ha- who saw, the- saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, uh, that would take eight months of a man's wages. And we, uh, and we um, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and set them before the, to set them before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten were 5,000. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. Give us... Give us uh, eager hearts to understand your word. Give us minds open and, uh, and curious as to how it might uh, translate into our thinking. And, and Lord, uh, submissive, yielded, humble wills to put into action that which, we, that which we discover and are captivated by through your faith, 
through the faith you give us and the grace that you provide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I, uh, have a, I have a dear friend who, uh, who I met when we were in grad school, and we've been, to, we've been uh, well, we've stayed friends pretty closely for, for all those years, uh, 30 or more, now that it's 35 years since, we've been, since we met, and um, we get together once a year. Uh, he is a, he is, he's huge. Um, huge in a sort of a football linebacker way. Um, and he and he's very and he and he speaks with that sort of uh, commanding nature as well. Um, when I was in when we were in grad school, I was in his apartment with with some folks, and I saw a picture on the wall that struck my attention. There's a picture of Herschel Walker. I don't know if any of you remember Herschel Walker. Those who are maybe younger don't. Herschel Walker was an amazing football player, uh, for NFL football player. Um, I forget which team. I think did he play for Dallas? Played for Dallas for, for very many years. Hugh set lots of records, physical just specimen. Uh, before he played NFL football, uh, Herschel Walker played for the University of Georgia. My friend that I met in grad school, my, my dear friend, he played for he played Division I Wake Forest football. Uh, They're in the same division. And so I saw this picture on the wall, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, did you? That's Herschel Walker. He says, yeah. He said, I said, have you, I mean, did you play against Herschel Walker? He said, yeah, played, yeah, played against Herschel Walker. He says, it's amazing. He said, I said, but that's kind of a rival. I said, why, why, do you have, why do you have a picture of Herschel Walker on your wall? I mean, I mean, I mean, he's professional now, but, he's put, but in this picture, he's in college. He's University of Georgia. He says, you see that player that he's running over? That's me. That's why I have it all. That was my one man, my one meeting. Well, it wasn't his one meeting. He, he says, he says he, we ran into each other a good bit that day. He says, most of the time, that's what it looked like. He says he was the hardest guy I've ever had to tackle. He says, and most times when you go for the guy, he's, he's just so low and then he comes up and then you end up, he says, but the picture on his wall was Herschel Walker running in the, in, in the, you know, in the Heisman Trophy position, but my friend is like this. Not making the play, not getting it done, not doing it. And he says, but he's hanging on his wall. And I say, I, I share that story because that's kind of the picture that, that Mark is snapping of Jesus here in this instance, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is Herschel Walker, and the disciples are missing the play. They're missing the play. Um, they're in it. They're in the picture, but it's one of those pictures where you look at it and go, you're not it, the disciples aren't at their best, but Jesus is, shot, Jesus is at his best. I don't know how many photo albums you have or any on your, on your phone or something where maybe, maybe someone caught you and you're not quite, a, not quite at your best. Um, there, there are a bunch of pictures like that with my, with my kids, and I go, oh, I hate that picture. Can we, just not, can we just delete that? And they go, no, Dad, we love this picture of you. I go, oh, my gosh. The disciples in this instance um, are not getting the point, and it's not the first time they didn't get the point. 
It's not the first time they didn't make the play. It's not the first time that they don't, that they don't but it's very similar to our situation is that, that when, that often we learn the most from the moments when we're not getting it the way that Jesus wants us to get it. And in this instance, what they're not getting is what rest is. And here we are in a season. We're in, we're in the season when everybody tries to rest, tries to get, a, get some vacation. Get some, Jesus says, hey, everybody's coming and going. we got a lot going on. Let's go away to a solitary place. And what do you say? Let's get some rest. Everybody wants to get on vacation. Everybody wants to be, and I'm just fresh back from vacation. You ever have a vacation where you go away and you're trying to get some rest and it's, you almost need a vacation from your vacation? That's because we don't get it. And the disciples didn't get what rest is. And so in this, he tells us, in this passage, we see the necessity of, of rest, the counterfeits, and the definition. The necessity, the counterfeits of rest, and the definition of rest. It, the necessity of it we see in the early stages of this passage is Jesus is... Jesus is telling them uh, that the reason we need to get away, he says there, there, are, there are many people coming and going and so much activity, so much is happening, so much need, so much interaction is happening. We didn't even have a chance to eat. Let's get away. There's so much activity. The necessity of rest, the reason we need rest is because there is so much activity. There is so much interaction. Now, I'm a, I'm, as you may imagine, if, you, if you've met me or if we've spent any time together, maybe you might make some assumptions about, about me in, in terms of when you see me in, 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 in church. Um, I'm an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. Um, and the definition of extrovert, if you've not done any reading or you don't know, you're not talking to a psychologist or maybe, maybe you're an extrovert and you've, you know what, what that means. The definition of an extrovert as opposed to an introvert, my wife is predominantly an introvert. Uh, what that means is, is an extrovert is I get life, I find life when I'm with lots of people, when I'm in, a, when I'm in an engaged social setting. I find, that's a life-giving moment for me. Introvert's the definition of an introvert is that my life-giving, those life-giving people, those life, a life-giving moment for an introvert is when I'm in solitude. And so for an introvert to be in an extra, for, for an introvert to be in an outward social setting, it's always draining. Always, it's just sucking the life, at, not, not that being in social settings is, is, is life-draining and that they don't want to be with people. My wife's very friendly and very engaging, as you might imagine, but there's a sense where her levels top out much faster than mine do. So in this situation, but even, even extroverts, Jesus was, a, Jesus was, I don't know what he was. Was he an extrovert, introvert? He was engaged. We certainly see in this, when he's with people, We'll see a little bit further in, a little, a little bit further down, that when he sees the people, it's life-giving. His eyes go, wah! He was drawn to them. He was drawn to that moment. We're getting away. Did you, see, did you catch that early, uh, mid, middle, of the, middle of the story? We're getting away, but everybody finds out they're going away. Let's meet them when they get down there. It's like if you all discover where I was going on vacation, and then you all met me down there. 
with all kinds of things you wanted to talk about and questions and counseling and issues and let's do a sermon for us, you know, yeah. Jesus is, all the people find out that Jesus, where Jesus is going away to be in solitude with the disciples and they get there ahead of him. And then when he gets off the boat, he sees them all and he's like, oh, he has compassion. His, so there's a sense where even Jesus in his extroversion is still, he's saying, even though I'm an extrovert, even though we're in a situation where people are engaging and I'm, and when there's so much people, when there's so much need and people are coming and going in your life, that one of the needs, one of the necessities is of rest is there's so much need, so much people. It is a time to get away. It's important. Jesus is saying it, we need to not be, we need solitude sometimes in that experience. What he's saying is, just because there's a lot of need, just be, you're never going to get rid of need. Just because there's a lot of need doesn't mean that we have to keep going and keep going and keep going. Jesus, it is necessity when there is, a, when there is people coming and going and so much need and so much, so much interaction and so many people and so many opportunities. He is saying, yes, that, that's very important, but we do need solitude. We do need to pull away. We do need rest. N the necessity of that process. The other thing that we see in this, in this is, the con is the larger context. If you recall from a couple of weeks ago, the story right before this, this one is the story of the death of John the Baptist. Not just the death of John the Baptist, but the, but the, but the uh, orchestrated murder of John the Baptist, who was the, one of the, the predominant leader prior to Christ, the predominant leader of the Christian movement at this point. And so not only are they tired from the activity of people, they're, all, they're also discouraged about the loss of one of the saints. They're discouraged about the progress of that the kingdom of God is making and, and that the word of God is making. They're also, in their discouragement, there's also a sense of danger. Also, there's also a sense where in the midst of their experience, the necessity of rest is I feel, I feel uneasy about my life. I feel uneasy about the future. I feel discouraged about what I've seen happen. I don't know if I can continue. So, so much activity and so much need. I'm just tired. I'm afraid. Fear, panic, worry, anxiety are draining the human condition. I'm discouraged. I'm sad. I don't know how we're going to fix this problem. But they're also fresh off the heels of great success. It says that in the passage, Jesus, that they were gathered around Jesus, telling him all the things they had done and taught the people when he sent them out on mission. He had sent them out to, to, to go town to town to bring miracles, to bring the message of good news, to bring hope to the people around them. And they're coming back reporting, this is what happened and this is what happened. And look at these exciting things. So not only are we in need of rest, not only is there a necessity to rest because of the current activity and need that exists, not only because there is panic and fear and danger and discouragement, but also, you know what else makes us tired? Being successful. Having things go right. They, uh, there, there is, a, I forget the name of the scale that psychologists have used over the years. There's a scale of, of levels of, of things that stress a person. And they rank them. 
And so, what, and then when they do when they do uh, counseling, they're they're looking at your life and going, okay, what level of stress, what level of strain have you been in? And so, on there, death of death of a spouse or death of someone very close to you, very important, loss of a job, very very much strain. All these things rank in the prospect. Illness and the, and uh, you know uh, uh, life threatening illness in some. All these things m- measure the level of strain that we're that we're under. But also on that same scale. In the same level of strain are things like getting married, moving from one house to another. Not only are we strained by the great uh, darknesses of our life, we are strained and we are exhausted and we are in such need of rest because of the great successes that we experience. This is, this is how broken the human condition is. Do you, do you, do you ever, this is how broken we are. We're broken because not only do we get tired, are we strained because of what, what the, of, the, of the darkness that drains us, but we're strained. We can't even bear the weight of, of celebration. And Jesus says to, the, to his disciples, you've gone through danger. You're, in, you're afraid. You're discouraged. There's so much activity, and you've had such Great success with what you've been doing over the last bunch of time. We need to get away. Just us. Solitude. And find a quiet place. And so they go, and I, can't, I can imagine what the disciples must have been thinking uh, when Jesus says this, because they're thinking the same thing I'd be thinking as, and going, absolutely, I cannot wait to get this, to this place. Can you get me something to drink, please? Sorry about that. So they go away in the boat to the other place, and there's a sense where when you read this story, when you, read, when you, when you encounter this experience with Jesus, you go, you, 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 they get to the other side, and if you're like me, I read that and I go, oh, Jesus' plan is foiled. The people ruined Jesus' plan. He was trying to get away. He was trying to take the disciples to a quiet place. There's, we just, at the end of the thing, you've realized how many people are here? How many people are here? Well, they counted the men, oddly misogynist in the way that they describe this. Thank you. Um, 5,000 men were there. How many? Presumably, lots more, lots of women. Lots of children. So there could easily have been 10, 15, 20,000 people there with 13 other guys who are actually the ones who are providing all of the care for 20,000 people. 15, 20,000 people, families all in this particular area. And you, they get to the other side, and I imagine as they're approaching the disciples and Jesus, Jesus sees the people, and what does his heart say? Exactly. He said, I can't wait to get there. These people need me. These people need, they're, they're, they're sheep without a shepherd. They need guidance. They need care. They need someone to, to love them. What do you think the disciples are thinking? Well, we don't know exactly what they were thinking when they arrived, but we do know what we dis- what we do know what the disciples think at the end. 
Because it said they say to Jesus, they've been here long enough. Send them away. We want to get we want to get our solitude. We need rest. We come off these great successes, this great activity of ministry. We're afraid. We're discouraged. We're we're uncertain. We you promised us rest. Send the people away. Set, let give us the rest you promised. They're irritated. When you don't get the rest that you thought you were going to get, how's that make you feel? How's that make you? How's that make you think? Especially when you look at the landscape of your life, you only get and 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 if you only get one week vacation or two weeks vacation, if you only get you know one day off, you only get certain, and then it's all sucked up by the strain, more strain of life that you were trying to escape from. When your when your plan is foiled, and there's a sense where when I look at this passage, I go when I see it in first reading, I go, Jesus' plan is foiled. The people got in the way. 20,000 people show up. Jesus was expecting to be all by themselves. And so it causes irritation in them, and, so, and it makes them, when I, am, when I am overly tired, and when I am not in rest, and when I feel like my sense of rest is destroyed and, and taken away from me, it makes me want to drive people away. I stop seeing. I stop being compassionate. In this instance, the disciples did not have compassion on the people. And when you are overly tired, when you are beyond your, when you are not finding the rest that you need, when you are, when it seems like your plan is foiled, it makes you resent the people that foiled it. Makes you irritated by people rather than compassionate towards them. Jeez, the the disciples are somewhat irritated. Send them away, let them get their own food. Jesus, Jesus didn't lose track of time. He wasn't, the disciples weren't the only ones who knew that it was, it was late in the day and these people haven't eaten. He, he, the, reason, the reason that he took the disciples away was because he said to them, people are coming and going so much, you, we have not had a chance to eat. So they haven't had a chance to eat. They're operating on empty tanks already. That's why they're going away. So is it possible that Jesus didn't know? His heart is filled with compassion for them, that they are sheep without a shepherd. Did he lose track of the fact that they weren't, that they hadn't eaten, and that they didn't, that, that if they were going to eat, something was going to have to be done? Is Jesus, is Jesus blind <laughs> to what's happening here? Does Jesus not know or not care that these people have not eaten in some capacity? That the disciples have to tell him and let him know? You know, Jesus, uh, there's 20,000 people here. <laughs> they need to eat. Did you know? You where? Of course he's aware. His plan's not foiled. His heart's broken for them. He sees them as, a, as sheep without a shepherd. What would a shepherd be doing? What, what, would, what is the goal of a shepherd? A shepherd is to care for the sheep, is to provide for the sheep, is to go after the sheep, is to draw them back in, to, to, to guide them. What, what does David say? The, the shepherd of shepherds, as it were. David was a shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastured green. Interesting how Mark says 
have them all gather together on the green grass. Do you hear much description? Do you hear much color mentioned in, in the Bible stories ever? It's interesting. It's an interesting hermeneutic. Uh, some, when you look at your, when you read the scriptures, when you when you uh, read it regularly, um, think about the colors that you hear mentioned in the scriptures. And when you hear of the colors, it should spark your attention because it's not often mentioned. The green grass. Why not just say have them have them all sit on the grass? No, he says have them sit on the green grass. Green grass. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me die down in green pastures besides still waters. That's what shepherd does. That's what Jesus was doing. He was making them to lie down in green pastures. He was providing for them. He was compassionate for them. The disciples had lost sight of this idea. He's trying to get them to see where do we find rest? How do we find rest in the midst of this? And, what Je- and they're, they're trying to find solitude because their understanding of rest is solitude, private, quiet place, tranquil. That's what Jesus promised. Let's go away. To Let's go away. So there's a sense where what their mentality is, is rest comes when I go away, when I'm solitude, when I'm by myself, when I'm not around people, these people. Let's go away when I'm not around the activity, when I'm not around all of this mess, when I'm not having to deal with all the life the way it is. I get away, get in the solitude, go privately. Get a, that's their mentality of what rest is. That's their, that's their definition. That's, and, and what Jesus is trying to point out to them is how counterfeit that is how counterintuitive to what his understanding of what rest is, what, what it means to, to, to restore the soul, to have a sense of, of renewal. And they're not getting it. Jesus says, this is, where, this is where Jesus says, let's go away to a quiet place by ourselves where we can find solitude. And they go, ah, oh, rest, vacation, great. No people, nothing to do. Get it away. Recharge my cells. And Jesus, and so they bring their understanding, their definition of what rest is to the equation. So when they hear Jesus say rest, they go, oh, I know what that's like. When Jesus says, let's get away, I know exactly what you mean. And so when they get to this place that doesn't look like their definition of what rest is, they freak out. And they get irritated and they get bitter and they drive people away and they don't want to be a part of what's going on. Whereas Jesus gets to the same place because his definition of rest is much different, much, much beyond what their impressions are. And his heart is lifted and his heart, his, his ideas and his compassion are engaged in this process. Because Jesus' definitions of what rest is, is often very different than ours. And so we run around looking. We go through life waiting for our definition of rest to come or, and trying to create our definition of rest. This is what the disciples were trying to do. They're trying to create solitude. Send them away. Get rid of the people. See what the problem is here? It's the people. 
Church would be great without the people. I'm eating that jokingly, but it's kind of half not joking. Because the sinners are the problem. But the disciples are going, send the people away. That's the problem. That's why we can't rest. It's because the people are here. And so they bring up this issue, this need. People can't eat. Um, we've got a problem. Jesus, we have a problem. You, uh, whether you know about the problem or not, but here's the problem. And Jesus says, all right, you take care of it. What? People need to eat. Okay, feed them. That wasn't the response they were hoping for. What the, what the response they were hoping for was, oh, right, okay, they need to eat. Send them away. And now we can have our time. Now we can eat while they go off and eat, and, they'll be, and, we'll, and we'll get the rest that we promised. And, the, and our definition of rest will, will result. We need to get away from it all in order for life to return to us. And Jesus is saying, he's pushing them beyond their limits. They're already tired, discouraged, afraid, uncertain, overwhelmed. They're already in this condition, and they haven't eaten. And I don't know how you get when you haven't eaten. And, uh, and Jesus says to them, Jesus says to them, in the midst of all of that, he says, and here's one more thing to do. And they go, Jesus, there are 20,000 people here. It would take eight months' wages. It would take two-thirds of the years what I make. What, what's possible to feed these people? Don't you get it? What, what are you saying? Jesus. Why would Jesus tell them to feed 5,000 people like that. Why would, is he throwing it back at them? Is it, why is he throwing it back at them? Because he's trying to help them and you and I understand what rest is. And they interpret the question the same way that you and I interpret the question. When Jesus originally said, let's go away and get some rest, we interpret that through our own lens of self-reliance, through our own lens of self-definition. Rest means solitude. And so when Jesus says, you take care of the problem, you feed them, they translate it through their own grid of self-reliance. How are we going to do this? What are, uh, it's going it's to take this much money, this much time, this much effort, this much, and we got no resources. We got not. Jesus says, well, well, do you have resources? Have you checked? We'll get that in a minute, but the answer is no. They didn't have any resources. They had five loaves and two fish. As a matter of fact, that's the way they say it. Jesus says, what do you got? He says, five loaves. Oh, yeah, two fish too. They had nothing. Nothing. Five loaves in the midst, five loaves, two fish in the midst of 20,000 hungry people. That's nothing. 
Why did he ask them? Why did he tell them in the midst of their overwhelm, their discouragement, their fear, their anxiety, their, their, sense, of, their sense of busyness? And uh, why did he tell them? Why did he give them this overwhelming project in the midst of their souls being so crushed? And he already noticed their need of rest. Jesus already sees his disciples in need. He's trying to get them to a place where they can be rested, where they can have solitude. He's trying to get them to a place. He's shepherding them while he's shepherding the 20,000. He already knows their need. They're beyond their abilities, and he gives them an overwhelming progress, project that is beyond their strength, beyond their wisdom. Why? To bring them to the end of themselves so that they might be able to say... And when Jesus says, well, what resources do you have? Again, they translate that question through their own lens of self-reliance. They looked around everywhere. They've got 20,000 people there. They looked everywhere. Jesus says, well, what do you have? What resources do you have to solve this problem? And they come to him. They come to him and say, the only resources we have are five loaves and two fish. That's all we have. And there's a sense where if I were Jesus and they came to me after having me tell them, after if I was Jesus and I had sent the disciples, what resources do you have? And they came back to me and they said, all we have are five and two, I would be deeply wounded. Because the proper answer to that question, the, the, the where he was leading them with this question, with this project and with this question. And when he says, what resources do you have? The proper answer was, we have nothing, but we have you. You are our resource. We've seen you raise the dead. We've seen you cure the ill. We've seen you reach out with compassion. We've seen you do amazing things. We've seen you cast out demons. We've seen you do crazy, amazing things. We have nothing. We are nothing. We have no ability. We've got five loaves and two fish, but that's nothing with 20,000 people and a great need. But you, 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 we have you. Jesus gave them a project that was obviously beyond their wisdom, beyond their ability, beyond their strength, so that they would pray to him. <laughs> Come to him who is the bread of life. Who is the bread of life to be the bread of life to his people. They have no bread, but you are bread. The definition of rest that Jesus was trying to help them understand and capture is the same thing that he wants us to understand and capture today. Rest is not about getting away from it all. Rest is about, rest is about in the midst of it all, depending on him. Rest is about dependence. Rest is about on whom are you rested? 
when life goes nuts because you and I cannot control our circumstances. You and I cannot control the, the, where it's going to go. God, God the Father, Christ the Son, can control circumstances. They do regularly control circumstances. They are the only ones, the Holy Spirit, the, the Godhead, are the only, pe- the only people who can control the, the movement of time and space and circumstance. They are the only ones. And keep that in mind as Jesus says, let's go away to a solitary place. Could he have controlled circumstances? And could he, could he have controlled the events of human history? Absolutely he could have. He was not struck by surprise when these people were here. He was not, his plan was not foiled. This is exactly where he wanted to take his disciples. This is the rest that they most needed. They needed to know that they could be at rest. They could be at peace. They could be at solitude in the midst of the fray, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the unease, in the midst of the anxiety of life and circumstances, they can be at rest because they can be grounded, rooted, and dependent upon the only one who can change anything, upon the only person who, is, who has the wisdom and resources and strength to accomplish what we most need in the moment, the great shepherd. He wanted, us, he wanted to teach us that rest, rest is rooting myself in the, in the bread of life, finding I, you and I, you and I will never be rested and healthy and fed and satisfied until we are completely and utterly rested and fed and satisfied by the bread of life, who is Jesus. And there's a sense where what we see imaged here is Jesus takes the five loaves and he lifts them to heaven and, right, and breaks them and gives them to his disciples and says, distribute these to the people. But there's a, there's a sense where there's an image here, there's, a, there's an idea here that didn't come until a couple of years later when Jesus is in the, is in the upper room with his disciples. And he takes the bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, this is my body which is for you. Bread doesn't fill me until it's broken. Bread doesn't fill me. Bread doesn't satisfy until it's broken. A whole bread sits there and does nothing. But when I break it and and I take and eat it, it fills me. Jesus breaks breaks the bread, the imagery. Take and eat. Break my body, which is broken for you. In the breaking and then the receiving is when I'm filled and empowered and nurtured and satisfied. All of my appetites are satiated. When Jesus breaking, when his breaking at the cross comes into me. When I, when I experience that the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. When I experience that when I, when I am captivated and when I am overwhelmed by the idea that, of what Jesus accomplished for me, when that becomes my central captivation, it fills me 
and satisfies me in such a way that therein lay the rest. Therein lay the hope. Therein lay the sense of satisfaction and satiation that then allows me to operate in any circumstance at peace, with hope, without fear. Jesus is giving us something better than vacation. Now, that's not to suggest that we don't need vacation. We desperately do. We're broken creatures. As a matter of fact, Jesus puts it into the calendar. God, when he made us, he said, once a week, one day a week, I want you to have an operation where every, every day, every week, you're going to rest. As a matter of fact, when I made you, we made, made man and woman. This is interesting. You know, when I ma- we made man and woman, on day six, remember that? Day six, he made man and woman. On day six, beautiful, strong Wonder what they look like so beautiful and strong. I don't even know. What does is, what is a perfect human body person look like? I don't even know. Certainly not like anything you're looking at now. But what did, it, what did they look like? What did they feel like? What, when Jesus made them and breathed life into them at, that, on de- at the end of day six and looked back and said, great job, everything's good to go. Day six, could they have been stronger more hopeful, more peaceful, more engaged, more anticipated, more ready to go. Could they have been chomping at the bit any more than at the end of day six? And what's the first job God gave them? Day seven. Take the day off. That's how important rest is. We need it. But Jesus is giving his disciples and you and me something more powerful, something more transformative than a day off, than a vacation, which is all very needful. We need them. Please don't mistake me. But what he's saying is something more powerful is you need the ability to rest in the midst of the work. What I'm giving you through the cross, what I'm giving you through my person, what I'm giving you in my grace is I'm giving you a power, the ability to rest in the middle of the storm, in the middle of... The good shepherd prepares the table where? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. What's the kind of rest the good shepherd provides? The kind of rest where we're not going to be, we're not going to wait till we're done the war. We're not going to wait until all the enemies have left. The the good shepherd says, I'm going to give you the ability. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the grace that we're going to set up camp right in the middle of your enemies, surrounded by all the threats that you have in this world, and we're going to sit down and have dinner, and it's going to be life-giving. That's the power of the cross. Nothing can, I have nothing to fear because Jesus was broken for me. I have nothing to dread because Jesus empowers me because of what he has accomplished. I have nothing, there is nothing in this moment that I, I am ill-equipped for this moment. I have no resources for this moment. I have no ability or wisdom in this moment. I have no sense of certainty, but you know who does? The one who, broke, who was broken for me and gave himself to me and who resides inside of me and says, I will never leave you I will never forsake you. I will come to you and I will make you my child and I will empower you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
All of these wonderful promises that Jesus says, rest in the middle of it, trust in me in the middle of it. When life is up to here, when I've had it up to here with you people, with the children, whatever, Jesus says, I'm your resource. There's a sense where I've talked to many people in counseling and who've had childhood trauma, who've had life trauma and death and loss and, and uh, sometimes relational trauma and conflict. And one of the questions, a question, there are a number of questions, a number of statements that are made in the midst of all those things. There's a sta- one of those statements that often gets made over the years that I've spent doing this is, where was God when that was happening to me? And there's a sense where when I look at, when I look at this story with the disciples, I can, I can hear one of them telling his counselor years ago, years later, I don't know what happened. We got 20,000 people in front of us, and, there's tw- and Jesus says, and we're supposed to feed all 5,000 of them. Where was God when that happened? And Jesus says, I was right here. I was right here, being your shepherd. Do you see me right here? I am your shepherd. I am your resource. I am your rest, your sustenance. I am the bread that you need. And I've been broken so that you can have it. Take me. Trust me. Rest in me. And then you are powerful to accomplish anything that comes your way. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the grace that you give us. Be to us the bread that satisfies. Be to us the life-giving joy. Teach us, Father, that by your grace we find rest in the midst of the storm. Lead us to an understanding of that, often by taking us beyond our abilities. You don't ever give us only what we can only what we can bear, Lord, but you constantly give us more than we can bear in our own resources so that we might find our rest in you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.